Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We got a lot to cover today, all right? Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, Yasmin Aliyah Khan, host, Global Thread Podcast, Rebel HQ. Contributor should be an amazing breakdown. Top story of the day. It's another one. Let's put up her picture. Another school teacher has been caught, according to the allegation, having an inappropriate relationship with a kid at the high school. Keep her picture up. This is in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. Former high school music teacher in Lawrence County. Is the second teacher in the school's music department to face charges for an alleged inappropriate relationship with a student. The teacher is now in jail after her husband reported the allegations. Now her name is Olivia Ortz, O-R-T-Z. She's 26 years of age, all right? She is from Mercer County. She has been charged with institutional sexual assault, unlawful contact with a minor, and criminal use of a communication facility. Now, let me say this, that teacher you're looking at actually replaced another teacher who had similar allegations against him. She replaced the guy who had to be charged because of the same thing. That's called culture. New Wilmington Police and Lawrence County District Attorney's Office led the investigation, which began in April. Or its husband, who works with the district's theater productions, reported the situation to the high school principal after finding evidence of the alleged relationship according to the police. After the teacher's husband and principal made reports to Childline, police interviewed the student at the center of it. The team reported visiting Ort's family home several times and the pair allegedly continued to communicate through apps. We're talking about these secret apps, all right? Even after they were aware of the investigation. The student's father eventually took the girl's cell phone, iPad and laptop, according to investigators. Now, let me show you the picture of the person she replaced. Here's the other teacher. He was number one, she's number two. So Orts, the female teacher, is actually the second music teacher to face those charges. The Newcastle News reports that 37-year-old Jonathan Priano, that's the person right in front of you, was accused of having inappropriate relationships with female students, multiple students in June of 2020. Let's put her picture up again. She, 
was hired to replace him and to rebuild the trust between teacher, student, and community. Let's go back to Mr. Priano. He taught music at the high school. Priano also resigned and is facing more than 20 counts of institutional sexual assault, unlawful contact with minors, corruption of minors, and endangerment, according to Newcastle News. Here we go again. When you have the same department, you have multiple administrators. Now, these are the administrators that we are aware of. This is part of the public record. There could be more. When you have this happening, there is something terribly wrong in the culture at that institution. And we've reported on so many of these throughout the country that this is a problem inside of K through 12 education. Now, will lawmakers, especially conservatives, will they actually start creating policies that protect children? Or will they continue to say critical race theory is the actual boogeyman here? Do you hear leadership in our political class standing up against these things and creating policies to protect children? No, the Democrats aren't doing it either. But let me tell you why. Republicans don't give a damn enough about it to actually lead on this issue. So they lead on issues like critical race theory, which is non-existent in K through 12 education, but it is racial red meat to their base. Or they lead with COVID protocols or mask inside of schools. That's what they would lead with. Democrats, they are not sharp enough to simply stop reacting to the BS of Republicans and lead on issues like this, thus changing the entire narrative. They will simply fall for the Republicans framing of the debate. How do you frame the debate? You throw out the debate topic and all of a sudden Democrats are no longer leading on issues like this. They are simply responding on issues like critical race theory. See how that works? It's called framing the debate. Republicans have mastered it. And all of a sudden, both political parties are engaged in a never ending circular battle about things that do not change the reality for these students. So I blame them both. All right, Yasmin, thoughts here. Yeah, you know, this actually sounds like something very similar that happened when I was in high school and it was in the music department again and it was a big wow. scandal. It actually happened, I think, the year after I left, but it was a big deal. And these things are happening all the time. And it's like what you said, we only know about the cases that get reported on and get publicized in the news, right? And what's so sad about it is that in Congress, right? Like what you were talking about, we have a stalemate, right? We have one party that keeps coming up with all these different straw men and keep trying to distract from certain things because they are simply trying to get elected into office. However, they do that, whether or not that means scaring people with things like critical race theory and banning books and all these other things that they're doing in schools, now arming teachers even. And then they're they're just not focusing on the actual issues, the things that students are actually having to deal with, things that are hindering their actual education, right? Kids can't learn in classrooms if they're worried about getting shot in classrooms. They can't learn in classrooms if the people who are there, who they're supposed to trust to take care of them and educate them are not doing that. And they're violating some very, very um, 
really precious things in, in, yeah. in a student's life, in a teenager's life. Yeah, um, and when that trust is violated, it takes a long time for a young person to trust an adult again. It is really damaging psychologically, uh, spiritually, and every other way you can think of. The family, rightfully so, they are demanding that charges are upgraded against the cop who decided to kill their loved one. Uh, let's go to the video. I want to remind you of what happened and give you the update. Here it is. Let go, Taser! How many guys you got going? Drop Taser! Get back! Get back! That's called murder. He shot the man in the back. And for those who will push back on this and say, well, Doc, uh, he wasn't compliant. Remember, just because you may deserve to see a judge at some point in the near future, it doesn't mean you deserve to see your maker. Those are not the same. This was done all by the cop himself. He initiated this whole thing. Let's put up um, his mugshot and the person he killed. Let's keep that up. The officer killed 26 year old Patrick Loyola with a gunshot to the back of his head has now been charged with second degree murder. But the family says that charge should actually be upgraded to first degree murder. Let's go to a picture of the cousins. Barwin and Reginald James, both the cousins of the deceased Patrick Loyola. They are cautiously optimistic about the second degree murder charge filed against officer Christopher Shure, that's his name. In Michigan, a second degree murder charge means life in prison with the possibility of parole if convicted. There's more. Although the family of Mr. Lyoya is content with the second degree murder charge, they would prefer a first degree murder charge because that means if convicted, the cop who killed him would never be eligible for parole. Here's a direct quote, he planned this. He knew at this very moment that I'm about to kill him, so we need first degree. We don't need second degree. Second degree is okay, but it's still a slap in the face to me, said Barwin, the cousin. My anger went to happiness, but I was still angry, James said of the second degree murder charge. On June 8th, Kent County Prosecutor Christopher Becker concluded his investigation by charging Officer Shore. Stating the officer, and I quote, was not acting in self defense and intended to kill Lyola with the shot. On June 10th, Officer Sure was arraigned in court and had a bond set for $100,000. Ever since the shooting, Sure has been placed on paid leave. Now, here's something that I need to bring to your attention because it's quite fascinating how this rule only applies to police officers. The man is no longer with the department. Uh, he was no longer with the department. He then gets a murder charge. 
So they say, you gotta go, we're gonna give you leave. You can't be with us anymore. You don't get desk duty, but we're gonna still pay you. We're gonna still pay you money, even though you're not in this office and you are now being charged with murder. And they knew he was going to be charged with murder. It was well known that charges were going to come. Still paid leave, all right? The cousin says Lyoya was a father of two daughters who are suffering the most from this tragedy. The cop is on a paid vacation, which means my money that I'm paying goes towards his bank. And he feeds his family and his wife. But what about my nieces? I could have been using that money to feed my nieces. Their dad is not here no more, said Barwin the cousin. And listen, at some level, the government mandates us, forces us to fund our own oppression. You gotta think about the irony of this. Those local residents, including the family of Patrick who was slain, murdered by this cop. Those families are paying into the structure that killed their loved one. And they are still paying into the structure that killed their loved one. Where else would this hold up? You have to consider it. Where else would this be possible? Do you think this would be possible with, I don't know, a fast food worker? Of course not. Do you think it would be possible with a medical doctor? Hell no. Do you think it would be possible with a school teacher? Of course not. There is not one profession where someone could actually go to work that day, murder someone, have it recorded, and leave with a paid vacation other than a police officer. And this is part of the reason why people don't like the police. This is insane. He has been charged with murder. There is not an institution more powerful than the people. That's who police officers work for. But at some point, they made us believe as a nation, as a community, as a demographic, they tricked enough people into believing that cops are your only public safety dynamic. Police aren't even half of it. They're not even half of your public safety dynamic. They are a small part solving less than 2% of crimes in your community. They are reactionary agents. Public safety is about proaction not reaction, they are not proactive. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, I was actually gonna talk about your last point that you just made about how a lot of what the cops do in this country, just by design, the way that you know it's supposed to work is they react to things more so than they prevent crimes from happening, right? Then that's not really their job. And what stood out to me in the quote from one of the cousins was his flip flop, not flip flopping, but he had a lot of emotions, right? He went from angry to happy and then back to angry. And I think the thing that we, tend to forget whenever we hear so many of these stories is that somebody died, right? That's a whole family that's been affected and nothing that happens, whether it's a first degree, second degree murder charge, brings that person back, right? And all of it was so pointless and unnecessary. It's not a matter of complying or not complying because we've seen it go the same way for people who have complied and people who have not complied, right? It doesn't always make a difference as far as what the end result is, right? The end result is that somebody died who did not have to die. So it's good that you know he's finally being charged. But you know what? Between like this cop and Kimberly Guilfoyle, I'm just trying to figure out how I can get paid tons of money to do nothing. But mm, yeah. I haven't figured that out for myself. Isn't that yet. something? Yeah. All right. 
black 16 year old gets harassed, gets assaulted by white members of a local community. Here's the video. I got more video, I got the identity of most of those individuals involved and I'm going to expose it right here. There's a 16 year old at the center of this, that's a minor, that is a child, okay? That's a child. You brought guns, you brought bricks, you smashed through his window. According to one report, they tried to hit him in the head. He could be dead or severely injured right now. He is a child. There's more video, here it is. Three grown man with kids, 16 years old, 16 years old. 15 and 15 and 16 years old. These guys are grown, grown people right here. All three of them, right there. That, that's the one right there. That's the one. Throw this stone right in here. In my car. Look at this big old stone right here. That's the 16-year-old's father who arrived. Okay. This happened in Sanford, Florida. I have more insight. Now the cops did not arrest anyone immediately. Not ironic, is it? All of that evidence that you just saw, the police saw. They arrested no one in that community immediately. Court records would show that at least two men were later taken into custody. We have their information, let's put it up. These two men were later taken into custody. They were the most aggressive according to the narrative. Donald Corsi, 52 on the left. And Howard Hughes, 61 on the right, are facing felony charges. Now, Corsi was charged with weapon offenses, accusing him of sending a missile into a vehicle, a second degree felony. Hughes was charged with first degree misdemeanor battery, touch or strike. And both were charged with criminal mischief, accusing or of causing more than $1,000 in damage to property. That's actual third degree felony in Florida. They were released from the Seminole County Jail after posting bond. It is not immediately known if the woman in the towel um, who has been identified as Howard's wife is or could be facing charges. So we've identified her as Cindy Dooley Hughes. All right, uh, big ups to the internet for making that identification for us. Uh, the 16 year old's father, his name is CJ Jones. He posted photos of the aftermath of the incident on Facebook on June 14th. There you see it. That is clear felony criminal damage. All right. Of course, he is accused of throwing the large rock through the car, window smashing it while the 16 year old was inside of the car. 16 year old could have been severely injured or died from an injury. If it made contact, the young man explained on the Insta on the Insta post how he ended up in the terrifying situation, saying, "I was racially profiled while driving through my friend's neighborhood. They didn't like the way I was driving, so they felt the need to hit my car with a cone. 
and throw a rock through my window. All I wanted to do was de-escalate until the police came because I wasn't about to get charges pressed on me for no reason. Smart 16 year old, um, he waited for the police. He recorded to gather the evidence and I really believe if he would have stopped recording or if he did not record at all, this may be a different story right now. Did you see the anger? Did you see the hate? Did you feel it in their voice? They wanted to do something bad to that child, 16 year old minor. Let us never forget that, this is a child. Uh, The incident happened in Maple Glen Place in Sanford, Florida, where both Corsi and Hughes lives. The teen sister wrote on Twitter on June 15th, and I quote, yesterday my 16 year old brother was racially profiled in the neighborhood in Sanford, Florida, the same city as Trayvon Martin. Luckily, he had a different fate. I commend my brother for how he reacted in the situation. And I concur with you, um, I commend your brother as well. As well, According to neighborhood.com, all right? The major demographic in the Maple Glen area is white, all right? No uh, surprise there. The boy said in the video that other neighbors came out to defend the men when police arrived. He said in the video, one of them said they was like, officer, we don't tolerate none of that in our community. Basically saying I don't belong in their neighborhood. Trayvon Martin is dead. Ahmaud Arbery is dead and the list goes on and on. Because people like you just saw do not believe that black people should have freedom, mobility. Now, if you think someone is driving too fast in your local community, you tell them to slow down. That's what you do, you tell them to slow down, okay? Maybe you get a license tag number, report it to the police. Guy was speeding through the neighborhood, that's what you do. But think about the extreme nature of their actions. They not only physically threatened a 16 year old child, they decided to bring out guns and smash his car while he was inside of the vehicle. That could have resulted in severe physical injury and perhaps death. And if he wasn't recording, what else do you think would have happened? And then the police respond and they do not immediately arrest the obvious criminals in this case because white privilege is real. Now this video is likely going to secure the prosecution of these people. But without the video, do you really think there would be a charge here? All right, Yasmin thoughts. You know, when I first read the quote, it said something like uh, they threw a stone or a rock through his window. When you see the video, that's like like a like a boulder. That's a big that could could have killed somebody, right? Yeah. Like they were so aggressive, and for what? Like what are you so afraid of from this kid driving in your neighborhood? Are you afraid of violence? Are you like I don't understand because that's exactly what they're perpetuating. And then the entitlement on their faces as they stood on the sidewalk waving as the kid's dad was filming them for 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 evidence, right? Yeah. And just there's no fear of what's going to happen to them. They're not even worried about it. They're completely justified in their actions, at least in their own minds. And what's sad about it is like, this is a neighborhood and this is not your personal property. This is a public street, anyone can be on this street, right? If you don't like it, that's a personal problem. You have to deal with that. It's not for a 16 year old kid to bear the burden of your own racism. That's That's what it's for. And for those who may say, well, I highlight racism too much or This doesn't necessarily mean the white individuals involved are racist. Let me ask you something, let me ask you this. And I wanna be 
very transparent with this question. And you don't have to answer it on a public profile, answer it in your heart. If it was a 16 year old white kid driving in a black community and that community of adults decided to physically assault that 16 year old white kid, bring out guns on the 16 year old white kid, stop the 16 year old white kid from advancing or moving, destroy his vehicle while he's inside of it, attempt to hit him with a boulder, threaten to physically harm him. Do you believe the police would have let those black people go? They would have been arrested immediately. It takes much more for us to get justice, right? We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still got a lot of show left. Uh, Before I get to the comments, let me remind everyone of a couple of things. Uh, We got Juneteenth happening. We're gonna celebrate this right here um, at TYT. This is gonna happen on the 20th, that's the day we're gonna observe it, all right? Um, TYT is hosting our fourth annual Juneteenth special. Uh, I will be one of the hosts there. We got a huge panel. I wanna make sure you join us. Please tune in tyt.com forward slash live. Also later today, right after I finish with you all here, I'm jumping on Sirius XM, all right, satellite radio. We're gonna co-host with Karen Hunter. Karen Hunter is a remarkable truth teller. Um, happy to be there with her on the Urban View. If you can join us, make sure you check us out. All right, <clears throat> super chat about the teacher. See, Michael Henson says, Hey, as a music educator, this story upsets me. Getting our youth to do music in school today is especially difficult because of their perception of what music is. Things like this make our jobs even harder, that's correct. Uh, Galfer says, I had a PE health teacher in the ninth grade that took one boy every year and gave him private lessons. Uh, Bibia, triple six, I'm afraid for those cousins, those murdering B words could come after him next. I'm not sure if I would be as brave as those cousins. My heart goes out to them, sadly, it doesn't help much. Well, positive vibes, energy, prayers, I believe in all of that. So continue to send those things in the universe, okay? All right, um, the, uh, Bitingale says, white supremacist terrorism, there's no other word for it. Talking about the uh, teenager, that's right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel great! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Huh? What did you say? What did you say? Go back to Mexico. Um, I was born here. No, no wonder. Go back to Mexico. I was born here. What do you have to say? Girl. I have no idea. For the second time this week. Oh, hmm. I know, dumbass. Hey. And I know what's going on here. And my family has more property than the property knows. Yeah, and you wash your hair out. Yeah, 
Don't wash up here. Don't walk up here. And then where am I supposed to walk if I live up there? The police. 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 Yeah. Come up here. I got more video of somebody's drunk ass uncle who was allowed to come outside. Um, this came from Atlanta Uncensored. They do great, great content. Make sure you follow them on Twitter. Well, he says his family has more property, something, right? Uh, he is engaging in what's called group status downgrade. That's typically the psychological factor behind white privilege. Anytime equality or equity is connected to privilege, it feels like oppression to them. He's obviously intimidated by the fact that people around him do not look like him. He does not celebrate diversity. And I, I want to do this because we're going to get comments and people will say things like, well, that doesn't mean he's racist just because he tells people to go back to Mexico. If, if you ask or provide certain answers, you might be racist yourself. If you say things like, well, I wonder what did he say first? You might be a racist. If you say, well, he may have just been drinking. He was just drunk. You might be a racist. Because you're looking for an excuse to protect the behavior. You know, my grandmother taught me that drunk people speak a sober tongue. There's more video, here it is. Come up here, okay? Yeah, where am I supposed to be then if I live up there? Okay. I'm not scared. I'm not either. I'm sick of this. I am this too. It's crazy. What's crazy? God damn it, it's crazy. You're crazy. No. You are crazy. When y'all walk, y'all stomp on our court. My mom is 80 years old. Y'all crazy. Mm. And you walk on these, these stairs. Well, then you shouldn't live in an apartment if that's the problem. You go back to Mexico, you bitch. I don't live in Mexico. I'm not even from Mexico. You're a Mexican bitch. Okay, keep going. You are a Mexican bitch. Okay, and? You're a Mexican bitch. And? Yeah, you're a Mexican bitch. Okay, and? You're a Mexican bitch. So damn sad, let's put up uh, the best picture we could get of him. Um, he has not been identified, we do not need to identify this individual and He's upset also because they have the audacity to walk. The racism and Karenicity runs so deep in this character. All right, Yasmin, thoughts on this? Oh, what a what a fun video that was. Uh, the, the slurring was fun for me. Just the racism was fun for me to, to witness. I I always thought the whole go back to where you came from trope was just like the laziest form of racism that there is. I remember after 9-11, a lot of my friends were told, you know, a lot of my brown friends were told to go back to where they came from and were like, we're from Jersey, you know, like we're not going anywhere. I don't know where you want us to go. It's so lazy, it's so uneducated, it's so ignorant. You can't take anyone seriously, especially when they're slurring like that from a balcony. So 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. to do with this guy. All right, so once again, we provide a mirror for mm-hmm. reflection and an opportunity at correction. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're my friend, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. He's not even Mexican. <laughs> that's so that's so racist. I got a knife right here. What's up? This male Karen was off the chain. Uh his voice was quivering. I think he was crying while being racist against the young male there. Um, According to the uploader, this happened to her boyfriend and herself at a Walmart in California, all right? Let's put up the steel full mass of the male Karen. That's your male Karen, the TikToker is Lauren, who said in the comments and I quote, just to be clear, we're not offended or mad because he called me or my boyfriend Mexicans. Everyone should be proud of wherever they're from. We're offended and mad because of the racism for no reason. We were getting just for trying to help a woman who was scared in her car because he, the male Karen, was not letting her out. So you have two individuals being good Samaritans. They get involved because they see a dispute, um, a conflict where somebody is being bullied and they decide to get involved. And this male Karen shows, well, he's not only a bully, He's also a racist. We provide a mirror for reflection and correction. All right, Adrian, thoughts on this? You know, it just it it really sticks with me how people will automatically reach for racism and slurs to throw at you the moment they're frustrated and upset about what you did. And it really shows the individual's character. And I'm glad that these individuals who are good Samaritans that they didn't necessarily let them let it bother them. At the same time, you know, the fact that we have these encounters on a daily basis where people diminish us, they call them microaggressions, even though as far as I'm concerned, they're macroaggressions because they do end up eating at you and they end up denying you of your humanity and self worth. And so this man who decided that he would be a Karen today, I really hope that he is held accountable in the long run, because we don't need people like this in our society. I like what this guy said, I'm talking about Hakeem Jeffries. He goes off on Clarence Thomas, Jenny Thomas, he let him have it. Here's the video. And if Justice Thomas really wants to deal with bullying in America, or this problem of people supposedly unwilling to accept outcomes that they don't like. I've got some advice for Justice Thomas, start in your own home. Have a conversation with Jeannie Thomas. She refused to accept the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election. Why? Because she didn't like the outcome. And so instead, she tried to steal the election, overthrow the United States government, and install a tyrant. That's bullying. That's being unwilling to accept an outcome because you don't like the results. Because the former twice impeached so-called president of the United States of America lost legitimately to Joe Biden. How did she respond? Instead, she said the Bidens should face a military tribunal in Guantanamo Bay on trumped up charges of sedition. You've got to be kidding me. And lastly, let me ask this question 
of Brother Thomas. Why are you such a hater? Hate on civil rights. Hate on women's rights. Hate on reproductive rights. Hate on voting rights. Hate on marital rights. Hate on equal protection under the law. Hate on liberty and justice for all. Hate on free and fair elections. Why are you such a hater? And you think you can get away with it, escape public scrutiny. Because you think that shamelessness is your superpower? Uh, Mr. Chairman, a point well, of order. Well, here's a news flash Mr. Chairman, straight from the House Judiciary Committee. Point of order. Truth pressed to the ground will rise Time. again, and truth will Time. be your kryptonite. Damn your point of order. Let that brother speak. Now, I need to provide some context here because this is rare. We do not have on record a United States congressperson during an official proceeding calling out the spouse of a Supreme Court justice. It needed to be done. Jenny damn Thomas is out of control. Clarence Thomas been out of control, we already know that. We have more information about his wife Jenny Thomas, who I believe has influenced him in major judicial decisions based on her public advocacy and his direct vote as a justice. And many of those votes were in contrast, were contrary to the votes of other conservatives on the bench, but they aligned with his wife. She tried to get the chief of staff of Donald Trump to basically overthrow democracy, to shred the US Constitution, told him it was God telling him to, to do so. I guarantee you this. If God wanted Trump to be president, your damn text messages would not change it. Let's get into it. First of all, let me make sure we do this proper. Let's put up our dear brother Hakeem Jeffries, American politician and attorney. He served, uh, who served as the US representative for New York's 8th Congressional District since 2013. He's a member of the Democratic Party, represents a district that covers parts of Eastern Brooklyn, Southwestern Queens in New York City. So let's now go to the content of what the good congressman is saying here. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas doesn't want people bullying government institutions. He went on record and said this, the Supreme Court Justice criticized people and I quote, Becoming addicted to wanting particular outcomes, not living with the outcomes we don't like. <laughs> well, my friend, you're lecturing people in this country. You're lecturing us about not accepting outcomes. When your wife at your home, whom you say sleeps next to you, has engaged in criminal conduct to overthrow the results of a presidential election. There's more, there are emails, the emails show, we're talking about new emails. They show that Thomas's efforts, we're talking about Jenny, her efforts to overturn the election were more extensive than previously known, two people said. The three declined to provide details and spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive matters. The January 6th committee, uh, they got access to this stuff. The committee's members and staffers are now discussing whether to spend time during their public hearings exploring Jenny Thomas's role in the attempt to overturn the outcome 
of the 2020 election. Why are you discussing it? The evidence is there, she was involved. We got text messages with her and many other people, including the chief of staff, other state lawmakers and lawmakers in DC. We got it, it's right there. Other publications have already published it. You mean to tell me there has to be a conversation in the committee if she needs to be under investigation? She's married to a freaking United States Supreme Court justice. She needs to be under investigation, of course. And this is why these institutions me off sometimes, especially the left leaning ones. It is no question that we as a country deserve to know the extent of her criminal involvement. She admitted one year later that she actually attended the rally that led to the terrorist attack, which means she went there secretly. If this was all about upstanding democratic principles, who would go there in secret except for Jenny Thomas? So I agree with the Congressman. Clarence, your wife is out of control. So are you. All right, yeah, some thoughts. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the January 6th committee deals with Jenny Thomas in the coming hearings. I know there's one going on right now, and I will catch up with that afterwards. But yeah, we've seen reports that her involvement is a lot more than what we previously thought it was. And, you know, I look at a lot of different conflicts that happen currently and also throughout history, and you always see you know, really delusional people with really strong convictions who are acting based on these convictions and hurting people like hundreds, thousands, nations and societies worth of people just because they believe in something that, you know, nobody else really understands. You know, like for example, Putin is invading Ukraine right now because he really believes that it's his right to do so. He believes that Ukraine is a part of Russia and that it's his job, it's his duty here to reunite all that. And so, so many people are suffering because of that. So, being convicted isn't always such a good thing. You know, being humble is a good thing. Taking a step back and checking your own ego can be a good thing. And just, you know, understanding that maybe you don't understand everything and you don't have all the answers is a good thing, and more people need to do that. And this case though, Jenny Thomas needs to be held accountable for what she's done. And we also need to be looking into Clarence Thomas and rethinking maybe his seat on the Supreme Court. Yeah, and here's the thing, I reported yesterday on experts and friends, former friends of Jenny Thomas. Some of them were connected back during her anti-cult days. And they're saying, listen, her behavior seems like she's back in a cult again. Instead of it being life spring is QAnon. The language that we see, it seems as if she's back in the cult. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Okay, we got breaking news, Herschel Walker has more children than previously disclosed. We already reported earlier this week on his 10 year old child that he is not active with, he's not active in the life of this 10 year old. His campaign has admitted, yes, Herschel Walker has a 10 year old child. Now, two more secret estranged children have been reported, a son and a daughter in addition to the 10 year old son that was reported earlier this week per the Daily Beast. Now this information is just coming in, so bear with me as we give you the details, all right? So a day after the Daily Beast broke the news that Herschel Walker, 
had a 10 year old son that he was keeping secret from everyone that he fathered out of wedlock. Now, that's not an issue for me personally. The issue is he did not take care of this child. Now, here's the initial report. According to the narrative, he did not start paying child support to that particular child until the child was two or three years of age. Even then, he was forced by the court by way of the child's mother. He was forced by the courts to pay child support. He has not been an active nor present force in that child's life. That's a problem for me because I'm an active and present father. That is a problem for me, all right? That's a core character issue. In addition to that, Herschel Walker has gone around this country besmirching absentee black fathers. Let me read a quote he said not too long ago. Herschel Walker said, I want to apologize to the African American community because the fatherless home is a major, major problem. Walker said this in September 2020. This was during an interview, adding in a December 2019 interview with Diamond and Silk that men need to go into neighborhoods and become fathers to those who are fatherless. He also said that he wants to be a father to those who are fatherless. He's not being a father to his own children. So he's absentee with a 10 year old. There are two more children involved now. There's one in Texas, 13 years of age. And there's another one that's 22. So you have a 10 year old, 13 year old and a 22 year old. We're trying to get more information, but there it is right now. Now, remember. The challenge, the problem that I have with Herschel Walker has to do one with his policy stance and two with his character. The man has literally lied about it all. He lied about graduating from the University of Georgia with a degree in criminal justice. He lied about graduating at the top 1% of his college class. He didn't graduate at all. He lied about being the valedictorian of his high school. He lied about that, taking away valor from other people that actually earned those awards, recognitions, and honors. He took their valor away. He lied about having a multi-million dollar company with 600 employees according to government records. He applied for a forgiveness loan and he said he only had eight employees, but on Fox Business, he said he had 600. He also lied about having the largest black owned company in the United States that dealt with particular enterprises. It was a complete lie. He doesn't even have the largest black owned or minority owned company in the state of Georgia. He lied about it all, all right? Okay, um, Yasmin, thoughts? Yeah, why do they lie? It's so easy to debunk all these lies that they tell. And what's sad about it though, is the reason why they lie is because so many people who are going to vote for people like Herschel Walker are never gonna fact check it, right? You see the headline, you see what he said, and then you think, okay, well, that's what he did. That's it, that's the end of the road for a lot of people. They don't watch shows like this, they don't fact check it on their own, they don't Google things. It's so easy to just Google something these days. Of course, you have to be careful with the things that you're Googling and the search results that you come up with. But it's so easy to at least just see the other side of the argument, right? Things like his business, things like his children, like, you know, like the thing with the kids. That's his personal life, right? We wouldn't be in his personal life if he hadn't invited us in in the first place, if he hadn't 
made up all these lies or you know, well, like I guess in the case with his children, he went on disparaging other guys who were doing the same thing that he was doing, right? He was the absentee father that he was railing against, right? He was the absentee father that he was going to rehabilitate, you know, within his own community. And he's just no better than than these people that he's targeting. I have a very simple philosophy because mm-hmm. we all make mistakes and we're all human. I make mistakes. I made mistakes and I make mistakes. When we're talking about transformation, there is no such thing. And I tell my college students this all the time. There is no such thing as transformation without acknowledgement. If you have not come to a place to acknowledge your faults, to acknowledge your failures, to acknowledge what you did wrong, you are not at a place of transformation. And if you say you are without acknowledgement, you're lying, all right? Horrific story, a man shoots a food worker over a missing milkshake, I kid you not. Let's put up the picture of the crime scene. Philadelphia police have arrested a 26 year old man for shooting a teenage employee at a Chick-fil-A over a milkshake being missing from a food order. Employees told police the door dash delivery driver came to the door and began arguing with several employees about the amount of food he received and a missing item, a milkshake. He then pulled out a gun and fired at the 17 year old. The 17 year old kid was shot once in the left leg and is now in stable condition. Let me give you some background to this horror. According to the police, based on ballistic evidence, we know know one shot is fired from a large caliber semi-automatic weapon. That spent shell casing is in the parking lot of the Chick-fil-A building, a police spokesman said. Police say two 40 caliber magazines were found in the car, which matched shell casings at the Chick-fil-A. The suspect did not have a permit. DoorDash says it's cooperating with law enforcement. This is a quote, we are horrified, they said, and appalled by this brazen act of violence and have banned the perpetrator from our platform. We are fully supporting law enforcement with their investigation and hope justice is served. We've reached out to the victim to offer our support and our thoughts are with him and his family as he recovers. DoorDash said in a statement, Philadelphia police, they are asking for the DA's office to charge the suspect with aggravated assault and that he also be given high bail. His name has not been released yet pending the filing of those charges, they need to get to it. We tried to find the information independently, we're unable to confirm it, but we will give you the update as soon as we do. Um, This was extreme, this was sad, unfortunate, all of that, unnecessary. Once again, a gun, a gun, gun culture in America, that's part of it. Now, does the person bear responsibility criminally? Of course, 100%, no question about it. Right, But why are so many people in this country, why do they believe a gun is a remedy? You have to remember, we're not the most populated country. We also don't have the highest mental health disorders. Compared to other countries, we have one of the lowest. We spend a lot of money on preventative, preventative methods. But we still want guns, guns, guns. All right, we're gonna 
update this as soon as they release the name of the individual as well as the picture. We don't have that at the moment. Yasmin, thoughts on this? Yeah, potential gun violence should not be an occupational hazard of working at a Chick-fil-A, especially right. when you were a teenager and just trying to get through the summer. And what's sad that I remember there was a very similar story that happened up the road from where I live at a Jack in the Box from early yep, on in the pandemic. Right. You know, and people are too changeable and too unpredictable to be trusted with a firearm. You know, just average everyday people should not be having these firearms or having access to them, right? And this guy should. Have his firearm taken away from him because he's shown and he's proven that he is not eligible to have one. He he shouldn't be trusted with one. Yep. And you know we keep hearing from gun advocates that guns don't kill people, people kill people, as if that's supposed to make anyone feel better. But no, I live in Texas. You can't honk at somebody without wondering if they have a Glock in their in their glove compartment. You know, yep. people kill people. It's still bad. It's still a bad thing. Let's not give them weapons. That's right. All right. We got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, let me read some of these comments. A YouTube super chat about the Karen Corey F says, and thank you for that Corey. You don't focus on racism, you focus on people being irrationally mean to others, be it Karen's, racist or Congress people. Unfortunately, there is much overlap, that's correct. All right, you get it. Moon Dragon, Uncle Drunky needs to go back to Europe. <laughs> Anthony McClendon, when I confront someone for racist behavior, they say, I'm not racist. I say, you are right now. You may not be an alcoholic, but you're drunk right now. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Uh, Galfer, submit all Jenny Damn Thomas, Dr. Richard Emotes in, <laughs> in hashtag Emote uh, dash suggestions channel of the TYT official Discord, LOL. That's funny. Um, I think this is Maya and Colin O'Connor. Thank you both for joining. Um, listen, you can join the indisputable membership page. Go to YouTube and make that happen, okay? Become a member. Start at $4.99 and then it goes up to $24.99. We'd love to connect with you, all right? Okay, damn shame. A man kills a coworker for rejecting his advancement, all right? Rejecting his advances. Uh, Let's put his let's put his picture up for a mass here. Such a sad story. 28 year old has now is under investigation for first degree murder in the death of a teenage girl at a Walgreens in Colorado Springs. His name is Joshua Johnson. He has been arrested, charged, first degree murder. The victim has been identified as 17 year old Riley Whitelaw. 17. So let me give you background to what happened. About a year ago, White Law complained about Johnson, all right, Joshua Johnson, to a store manager. She goes, she makes a complaint, does what the protocol says, saying that he made her feel uncomfortable and that he had made advances toward her, according to the affidavit. She had requested a work schedule to avoid Johnson, but their schedules crossed when White Law requested more hours, okay? Let me say this, when you're in a position where you have to balance the safety of a person under your leadership and the corporate model of getting the most out of your employees, you balance the safety of that employee. That is your primary obligation. 
A manager at the store, Crystal Ishmael, said Whitelaw's boyfriend was hired on about three months ago. When that happened, Ishmael said Johnson appeared to be acting jealous, and he was. Before the attack, Johnson allegedly stacked boxes in front of a surveillance camera in the room to obstruct the camera's view. That's called premeditation. Paper was taped over the windows of the break room, according to the affidavit, and a restroom closed sign was placed in the area. A woman who was a customer in the store told investigators she heard a woman screaming and the sound of stalls slamming. When the police found Johnson, he had scratches on his hands and face. He was arrested without incident and is being held at the El Paso County Jail. Johnson told investigators that he was in the bathroom or break room, excuse me, and he uh, and that he fell in the blood. He was near a large trash bin at the store where an empty bottle of bleach was found. He told investigators he went home and washed the blood off of his clothing after that happened. Put up his picture again. Now that's a sorry SOB who has decided, in my opinion, to extinguish the life of a 17 year old. Wheels of justice are moving in the right direction, but once again, they never should have been around each other. Let me make it very plain. I don't know what will happen as far as a civil suit against the establishment or management team there. But when a young lady comes to you with credible accusation that someone on that employment staff has violated her or has been inappropriate to her, why was he still working there? Why? Is it because America has a rape culture? Which means we gloss over serious issues like this. We do not choose to protect those who are being victims. We say things like, ah, that's just Joshua being Joshua. This was avoidable. All right, Yasmin, thoughts? Yeah, this is terrifying. I can't believe that the management didn't do anything about her. You know, she did raise awareness about what she was dealing with. And, you know, I used to work retail back when I was in college, and you would get people who would come in to, to whatever, wherever you're working, to the store. And you would tell management, say, you know what, I don't like that guy, he makes me feel uncomfortable. And something thankfully was done about that customer. I wouldn't have to interact with that person. But in this case, she had to work with the guy and she went to management and they still did nothing, you know? And when I heard about incel culture, whenever that first started to gain popularity, especially like on Reddit, it was really scary because as a woman, I mean, we hear so many stories about men who are targeting women who can't take no for an answer. It doesn't matter if you're smiling, doesn't matter if you're not smiling. If it's still a no, that's all they hear. And then all of a sudden, you're a terrible person. You don't deserve anything. And they, they really just dislike you and hate you. And there's nothing you can do about it, right? Yeah. You can be as nice as you want. These people are still going to react the way they're going to react. She should have been protected. Yeah. That's the problem here. She should have been right. protected. That's right. A cop assaults a naked handcuffed detainee. This is in Detroit. Let me go to the video. 
Okay, here's the video. You see what's happening here. Now the officer is a lieutenant. Her name is Velma Hampton. She actually works with those with mental health illnesses. That's according to her work profile. She's supposed to be a specialist of sorts. She has training to deal with those who have a mental health disorder. Let's put up her picture full mass. Damn shame that this Detroit police lieutenant decided to do what she did. She's now under investigation if she was caught after she was caught on camera attacking a handcuffed mentally ill woman. The internal affairs investigation will determine if this supervising officer failed to properly submit a use of force report and acted appropriately in the incident. All right, so there's background. This happened on a Sunday, May 29th, when Lieutenant Hampton, let's put a picture back up, was caught on body cam using profanity and lunging at the naked mentally ill woman lying outside of the ninth precinct. The woman was in the middle of a mental health crisis out front of the station, which led officers to handcuff her. Okay, that happens, all right? Sometimes you're detained for safety for yourself and for others, we get that. But criminal actions happen afterwards from the cop. During the episode, the woman spat at Hampton, who was the supervising officer on the scene. And when warned to stop, the woman repeated the act. Hampton snapped and leaped at the lady. The video shows other officers trying to hold her back and separate her from the woman. But Lieutenant Hampton was relentless, screaming at the individual and at one time even pulling her hair. What's the response? In response to her actions, the Detroit Police Department has taken away all of her firearm responsibilities and restricted Hampton to administrative duties. The 25 year veteran is now under investigation for her behavior in front of the ninth precinct and receiving criticism from the members of the force. That's according to Fox 2 News. Let's put a picture up again. Why has she not been arrested? She should have been arrested by another officer. You see, that's the kind of leadership we need in law enforcement. We need somebody who was there saying this woman is committing a criminal act. She needs to go to jail. I'm going to enact an arrest on a cop. That didn't happen. She still has not been arrested. Uh, the Detroit police chief James White commented on the incident. Let's put up his picture. All right. He said, and I quote, the actions of the lieutenant are troubling and in con- uh, contravention of our policies. I've directed force investigations to conduct an investigation. This department is committed to providing professionalism and respect to our entire community, especially to those who are in mental crisis. Anything short of it, I will not accept. Um, Chief, well, let me give you some words of advice. If you will not accept it, make sure you lock her ass up. The person was suffering a mental health crisis. According to the record, the lieutenant has specialized training in mental health crises. Why is she still getting a damn paycheck? In addition to the chief and the internal affairs department, one board of police commissioner called for criminal investigation. 
Uh, ironically, the ninth precinct is the location for a program on mental health and wellness called Crisis Intervention Team. Hampton's actions have prompted the Detroit Board of Police Commissioner Ricardo Moore to consider taking a deeper dive into the program and how it has helped or hindered the community. You literally have people who are supposed to be trained and specialized and categorized to properly deal with those in our community who may have a mental health disorder. But that was the response. It's a damn shame. Once again, policy right. The policy is correct. What they have written down is appropriate, but the culture eats policy alive every day. Yasmin, thoughts? Yeah, we keep trying to band-aid these incidents and deal with them as they crop up. But just as we were saying earlier, these are only the incidents that we're actually aware of. We keep trying to rely on individuals rather than institutions. And we keep giving more and more of our public funding to law enforcement rather than to some kind of mental health programs that would actually help these people. You know, We need to invest in actual mental health care, not whatever this was. And we need to stop expecting law enforcement officers to know how to deal with these mental health crises these whenever they crop up. And this lieutenant, she was trained. I don't know how well she was trained or how much training she went through, but she was obviously inadequately prepared and unfit to deal with the situation that she found herself in. Yeah, and here's the thing. There comes a point where a person's character is just so wicked. Yeah. A lot of these cops we cover, more training won't help them. Their character is wicked and they're too damn old to change. They're too old to change, things exist on the spectrum. Racism exists on the spectrum. There comes a point where you're just too far gone. All right, we got more on the other side. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. Don't have time to read a lot, but I will read some. Julie Kelsia, thank you so much for this, okay? You're the best, Dr. Richie, I'm embarrassed to admit that I believed racist ideas. When I became vegan, I saw all the other injustices in the world. You changed me for the best. My thoughts are totally different. Well, God bless you. And it's not me, there's nothing special about me. There's something special about the truth. And there's something very special about you because in order to accept the truth, you must let go of a lie. Lies can become very comfortable. Lies are comforting to a lot of people. So you have to take that effort to become uncomfortable for a moment in order to accept truth, all right? So big ups to you for doing that. All right, uh, John Wick, 1GM, the manager has to be more responsible than this. This is utterly inexcusable, that's right, well said. Okay, the height of insensitivity showing you their true, true colors, no pun intended. Let's put up the challenge coin made by the border patrol agents. Let me explain this to you. The US Customs and Border Protection Border Patrol is being accused of creating a so-called challenge coin that mocks the group of Haitian migrants that were brutally whipped by agents on horseback last year in Texas. Now you remember the imagery, you remember them rounding up Haitians, chasing them on horseback. It was horrible, Democrats said, we're going to do something about this. It really didn't do a damn thing, it was bad, it was bad did not reflect well on our rule of law, our professionalism and law enforcement, none of that. The Haitian community was outraged by it as well as their allies like myself and others. So what does the government do? 
What is the response from the agency according to the report? Well, they're going to say, we don't give a damn about your sensitivities to this. We're gonna now memorialize it. Now, why are they doing this? They're memorializing the moment. They put the challenge coin back up again because they celebrate what makes others upset. If you are black, if you are Haitian, if you are Hispanic, Mexican, whatever. If you are upset about something, they will figure out how to celebrate it. We've seen this routinely. We were upset about the murder of George Floyd. Racist people figured out a way to celebrate it. One side of the coin bears the message that appears to be a play on words from the scene in Del Rio while playing, uh, paying homage to the date Border Patrol was founded, reining it in since May 28, 1924. The other side reads like a warning. Yesterday's border is not your today's, it's not today's border. The Miami Herald said it further inspected the coin to find four words etched along its side that seemingly mock deportations. And it said, you will be returned, all right? Um, Haitians and Haitian advocates accused Border Patrol of being behind the challenge coins, mocking the migrants at the border, who in September were making their way from Mexico to their Rio, Texas. I thought that I had seen everything, but this level of hypocrisy and disrespect is unprecedented, outrageous and intolerable, um, Marlene Bastian told the Herald. Um, okay, it's horrible, it's insensitive, not a surprise. Now, was something to be done about it policy-wise? Because the reality is this is directly connected to federal government policy, to the President of the United States, to the Director of Border Patrol Security. What's going to be done? You have a culture here that's adversarial to decency, unless that's who we are now. All right, Yasmin, thoughts? Yeah, uh, I have a soft spot for Haitians, just because if you if you look at the history of that island and what these people have been through. From yep. their history up until today, it really is just they can't catch a break. And it's really sad, it's a really sad history that they have down there and they're up against so much. And um, I will say, as far as what's being done about it, Joe Biden or President Biden, he just did announce that he will be tackling illegal immigration in the country. And he did list a few different things. And one of the things that he listed was that the United States will be increasing resettlement of Haitian refugees. So at least that's something to look forward to. There's a few other things that they're doing to it seems like they are making an effort to actually tackle the source of all these illegal immigrants who are trying to cross our border rather than just, you know, lassoing them at the border once they're trying to get across. Yeah, I will believe it when I see it. Yeah. Execution is important. Promises are made routinely by all in politics. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is how you deal with a racist cop. A racist cop sends racist memes. And a judge says, you gotta go to jail. And the cop is banned from ever being a cop again. Yes, he got arrested for texting racist memes and banned from ever being the police. Yeah, you're right, this is not happening in America. Let me take you to the UK. A British judge just sentenced an ex-cop, James Watts, to 20 weeks in jail for sharing racist memes on WhatsApp. 
All right, this was May of June 2020. All right, May and June of 2020. So after a police inquiry, the 31 year old was found to have posted 10 offensive memes, memes in May and June, including one featuring a white dog wearing a KKK Ku Klux Klan clothing, and another one showing a kneeling mat with George Floyd's face printed on it. So the deputy chief magistrate, Tan Ikram, said, and I quote, at the time of these offenses, you were a police officer, a person to whom the public looks up to to uphold the law. But you did the opposite. The hostility that you demonstrated on the basis of race makes this offending so serious that I cannot deal with it by a community penalty of fine. A message must go out and that message can only go out through an immediate sentence of imprisonment. That's the kind of judge I'm talking about. Every meme that was sent out served as one count of grossly offensive material. Watts of Castle Bromwich, Birmingham pleaded guilty at an earlier hearing to 10 counts of sending grossly offensive or menacing messages by a public communication network. In addition to the 20 weeks in jail time, his name has been added to the College of Policing's barred list, banning him from any policing role in the entire country for the rest of his natural life. He's racist, he's a liability to the department and the country. They didn't play with him. Now granted, this judge utilized a creative approach because typically this would have been handled with a fine, but the judge had the authority to enact a criminal penalty and did so and said, we're gonna make an example out of you just as he should have. You see, they did all of that in the UK without changing one damn law. Yasmin thoughts. Yeah, we already know that this is a cultural thing in the United States here, right? And there's so many common sense ways of dealing with gun violence in this country that we don't even have time to even think about because we're dealing with all these deflections from all these gun advocates and from law enforcement advocates or whoever, you know? And, you know, we saw that Canada even tightened their gun restrictions after a shooting in our country, and we still haven't done anything about it after. School children were killed in Texas, and then however many other shootings there were within that same week, right? We yep. keep having these same issues come up. Nothing has changed. I remember when Columbine happened, which was what, like 20 years ago. Nothing has changed since Columbine. It's gotten worse, right? We have less gun restrictions, more gun access since then. It's still happening, and we keep wondering why it keeps happening because we're not addressing the issue, and we will not because it's a cultural thing. It's not like a policy thing, you know? That's right. And here's what the UK teaches us in this situation. I know we put a lot of emphasis on laws and policies changing and we should. But we also need to emphasize good leadership. The judge exercised good leadership and became very creative, proactive and appropriate. We're living in a time of radical dysfunction. In order to balance radical dysfunction, it requires radical and thoughtful leadership. All right, Yasmin, always a pleasure, thank you. Always glad to be here, thank you. Remember. Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.